Scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Good morning. How's everybody today? Great. Well, let me introduce myself in case some of you don't know me, or at least in my current capacity. I'm Steve Evans, and I'm the relative new kid on the block among the pastoral staff at Cole. Uh, I'm the administrator of pa- uh, administrative pastor uh, here, but uh, please don't get too concerned that we're going to spend the next half hour or so talking about uh, finances or or buildings. Uh, we're, we're still going to spend our time in the Word uh, this morning, and... Uh, Look at, the, look at what uh, God is telling us through Paul's beautiful letter to the Ephesians. Why don't we pray together first? Father God, we just thank you for this morning and the time together, the time of worship uh, through song, the time of worship through the reading of your word in prayer and in the discussion and looking at uh, the, the truths that your, your word brings to us. So Lord, we would ask that your spirit would fill this room more so that you would fill the hearts of each person here today with an understanding and, and a desire to know you better. So, Lord Jesus, we, we come before you humbly, uh, ready to uh, learn from you in, in this next uh, bit of time here. So, Jesus, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, I, I need to briefly just sort of uh, confess one of those deep, dark secrets of life. Um, one of those things that uh, is, is, hard, is, is sort of thing that most people don't talk about too much, and that is the fact that one of my favorite television programs is the Food Network's uh, program. It's called Chopped. I don't know if anybody's ever watched it, it's you know it's the, it's the perfect guy thing as far as cooking is concerned because it involves really good food in a competitive environment. There's nothing like it. So this morning, and, 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 if you, and if you remember the program, those of you who've watched it, I know I've got, I saw some knowing nods and chuckles here. Uh, so some of you do uh, watch it, at least from time to time. One of the primary things that they do is in this environment where several chefs are competing to prepare dishes that are judged to, to be the, the best and uh, where they are uh, given this short time frame to work under, they have this basket of mystery ingredients that are brought uh, that for each round, each course, they have to uh, uh, pull out and, and utilize in some creative and still edible fashion. <laughs> so this morning, pretend this is a basket, it's the best I could do, uh, my basket of mystery ingredients. And this basket of mystery ingredients, first off, contains a highly, highly spiritual Album, Rod Stewart's uh, solo album, Every Picture Tells a Story. This has absolutely nothing to do with the message today, uh, except for the fact that the idea that pictures tell stories, in this case in Paul's text in Ephesians, word pictures, metaphors tell stories. So that's, this was actually the inspiration for that thought. 
Uh, next we have, they're small. Everybody see what these are? Dice. Yeah, dice. We have dice. And then finally, we have blueberry muffin mix. <laughs> okay. So the question is, how does all of this come together to be something that's delectable? Uh, literally this delightful banquet uh, that Paul has laid out for us in, in Ephesians. Uh, I, I have found as we've gone through this that it is an extraordinarily rich, beautiful, if you will, meal that God has given us in his word. Uh, he describes the, the, the deep truths of what it is to live in this thing that we call the body of Christ, this community of believers uh, that is great and wonderful and personal and intimate and extraordinary and unlike anything else that there is in all of creation. And so, you know, Paul has, Paul has been telling us about what it is like to live in this body. He's first told us about how we are individually gifted, but how the individual gifts that we're given are not for our own sake, but they're for the sake of everybody. They're for the sake of the, of the glory of the kingdom of God and how that he brings us together and makes those gifts something that we all use together, each one of us with the special things that we are given, each one of us with the extraordinary uh, talents and abilities, and then specifically the gifts of his spirit that we are granted. Each and every one of his own children is granted these. And we are then brought together in some way that is rather mystical, rather magical, and extraordinarily special. And that, that as we come together and use these, we, we become something that's much greater than we were before. And, and than we could ever be individually. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at how, you know, specifically he gave us uh, the apostles and he gave us the prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers that are given the task of equipping us, equipping the saints, us, uh, for the work of the ministry and how the, there's an objective or a purpose to that equipping and that we are called to, and as we looked at last week, we're called to unity, we're called to maturity, to Christ-likeness, and we're called to follow Christ, who is our head. We're called to be the age measure, those grown-up beings in our spirituality that, uh, that Christ leads us to through this equipping that, uh, that his spirit grants to us. So this week, we're going to look at a little more of this. And this week, Paul sets out some word pictures, some metaphors of what it's like to be this grown-up, this mature person, this Christ-like person. And, and that's what he's talking to us about this week. And he starts it off uh, with an expression of the, the sort of the negative. Uh, but he makes it a... But, but you see what he does. He says, you are no longer... And it's a very strong no longer. The word he uses here is a word that would be rendered more literally, no not. You are no not children anymore. Okay? It's, this is something you were. You were like little children in your maturity. 
in your ability to process life, in your ability to deal with the challenges of this world, in more specifically the way you related to others, your relationships. You were like little children. And how does he describe little children here? First off, he, he draws a sort of nautical picture for us. He says that little children are tossed here and there by waves. And he's, he's really saying this is, this is, an, this is a term from, from you know, the ocean, from, from seafaring, and in a ship that's being tossed about by the storms of the ocean. And this is something, of course, that would have been very uh, clear to somebody who lived around the Mediterranean, which is a sea that is notorious for its, its violent, volatile, quickly changing weather, much like our Great Lakes are. You know, it's, a, it's an area where the storms come up rapidly and are very, very dangerous. So they would have understood this. And then he goes on to talk about that even further, carried about by every wind, and, and literally says every shifting wind. So the winds, you, you think you got it figured out, you've got your sails set, everything is going well, and the wind radically shifts on you, and the ship is tossed into one of those deep troughs and, and overwhelmed by the waves. But then he... Then he he does this thing that we, we tell writers not to do. He mixes his metaphors because it, he's got this seagoing picture going. And then he says, every wind of doctrine. And now it starts coming back to the, to the things he's been talking about before. Okay, so this is, this is literally every wind of the deep truths of your spiritual walk, of your spiritual life. So little children, spiritually, are ones who frequently are bowing under the pressures of whatever's going on around them. Uh, we've all probably known people who were doing this. I would say, unfortunately, I've been in the place where I know I've done it, where I've, I've listened to what sounds good, what sounds right at the time, uh, listened to somebody who I accept as being an authority, listened to somebody who seems to, to, to make sense or just, just says it very well, and followed what they had to say without ever checking it against the Word of God, against what, what the Spirit of Christ says to me is true, uh, uh, without checking it with you all, brothers and sisters, who, who have maturity and have, have an understanding of the Word and who will share in that process of discerning, of looking through what is truth. Little children, spiritually, are like this. They latch on to whatever is fashionable, whatever is is current. But unfortunately, that's a very dangerous thing to do, isn't it? You know, this is a challenging thing to do. Uh, and it says it goes on. And here's where one of our secret ingredients comes into play. The next thing he talks about is the is this trickery of men. Uh, and literally, the word here is the Greek word kubia. And that means cube, which actually means dice. And what he's talking about is that people who are immature in their faith will, throw, will, will make decisions about eternal truths and about relationships that are, are oriented to the God of the universe, to Christ, basically on the, on the whim of the throw of a paradise. That, that they'll make those kinds of decisions with no more foundation or in truth than that. And literally, again, in the times of Paul... Dice games were rigged. People who played dice, dice, gambling at dice games was not uncommon, and the games were notoriously rigged. 
the dice were loaded. So the holder of the dice was the one who won most of the time. Consider making your spiritual decisions, eternal, eternal decisions based on the toss of a pair of loaded dice. That's what he's saying. And he goes on to talk about the fact that this picture just gets, this, this immaturity picture just gets deeper and deeper. He goes on to say that uh, in addition to the, the, the trickery, the dicing of men, that we are, the immature people, immature spiritually people are also uh, prone to being led by the craftiness, the craftiness uh, and in deceitful scheming. And craftiness is a word that means, uh, bear with me, the manipulation of error so that it looks like truth. You ever consider that? Have you ever seen that happen? You've seen people twist, just take a, take a shred of, of truth and mix it with, with some true error and, and wind up creating a picture that looks really good, but in fact is a complete lie. And that's where this next ingredient came in. Blueberry muffin mix. You know how many blueberries are in here? Yes, yeah, I heard it. Zero. Yes, there are zero blueberries in here. It says artificially flavored with imitation blueberries. Doesn't it look good, though? Isn't it a great picture? Doesn't it sound great? Can't you just smell the aroma? Wonder, you know, be, be excited to be eating the, those healthy little nuggets of uh, antioxidants in the blueberries? But in reality, it's all, it's all promise and no substance. It's, it's all words, no truth. None, none in there. That's kind of what, that's what he's saying. That you, you, people who are immature in their spiritual walk are prone to listening to these, this pretty packaging. These, these erroneous statements that are made to sound so good. And sometimes they even sound better because they're, they're less challenging than God's truth. And finally, he talks about deceitful scheming. Later, Paul will use the same term in, 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 verse, in chapter 6, verse 11, referring specifically to the scheming of the devil. So I, I think what Paul is getting at here is that being immature in your faith leaves you prone to the deceitful tricks of Satan, which are played out in manners like these through people who try to deceive us by making error look good and who throw us about on this ever-changing platform of non-truth that is the world around us. However, back to the good news. What did Paul say at the beginning of this verse? We are no not these people anymore because we have been taught, trained. We are in a relationship with Christ. He brings truth into our lives. So it's a different world that we live in. It's a different world that we operate in. It's a different set of truths that we have to influence the decisions that we make. And so he goes on to talk about the fact that what does it look like to live in this, in this new relationship with the with the world around you, to live in this body of Christ, this community of believers. What does that look like? First thing he says is that we are to speak truth in love. Again, another really interesting concept here, because this, this word that he uses for speak truth 
is a much more complex idea than that. And that in and of itself is a big enough challenge uh, for most of us. I know it is for me. This idea, this balancing point of speaking truth, but speaking that truth with the love of Christ and loving people as Christ does while speaking truth to them. You get what I'm saying? Is that ever challenging to anybody? You know, you get to this place where you know, the, the truth is as plain as day, but how do you present it to somebody so that you don't just punch them in the nose with it and, and drive them away? Where they will listen and where they will come to a place where they realize that, that these hard things that, that are, are these truths or these realities are in fact the things that Christ brings to them, not by means of trying to beat them down or to make them feel small or to empower someone else over them, but rather in love to bring them into a closer relationship with him and to bring them into a place where they are living and loving within his body in this world, where they are actually people who, by the way they live, show Christ. This expression that Paul uses here is a participle that literally probably should be rendered truthing. But that's an awkward word in English, isn't it? Truthing or being truth. We don't get that idea. It's, 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 it's hard to grasp that. But that's what he's really saying here. He's, he's saying speaking truth is a part of what that is. Speaking truth is a way that is, is played out but it's not the only thing it is. It's not the only way that plays out. Speaking truth is just a piece of it. Being truth or truthing is what he's saying. He's saying that we should be like Christ, truth. That the, that the, the things we do, the things we say, the way we act, the, the way we think, the way we interact, the body language, the facial expressions, everything that we portray should be truth. That's a much bigger challenge, though, isn't it? That's putting you on, on duty sort of a, you know, 365 days a, a year, 24 hours a day. You're, we're supposed to wake up in the morning without that first cup of coffee being truth. We're supposed to reach that end of the day when we're worn out and tired and grumpy being truth. And we're supposed to do that, not, not just being truth, but we're supposed to do it in love. And you contemplate what truth and love are. Truth and love are two of the, the sort of core characteristics of who God is. Christ is asking us to be this mature man, this mature person, like he talked about back in verse 13, which is someone who is like him. Paul wants us to be Christ-like. And, and that's what this really is. Speaking truth in love is being Christ-like in our world and doing it in a manner that, uh, uh, that is consistent, ongoing. It is the essence of who we are. And if we do this, as we do this, because it's something that we get to be, something that we are in this new being in Christ, in this new body that we live in, this community of believers, this is something that we are, Things happen. And when we, when we are to grow up in all aspects into him, was the head even Christ. Okay, we grow up. As we do this, funny thing happens. It's like exercise. It may be hard, it may be difficult, it may be challenging, 
It may take discipline, but a crazy thing happens when you do it. You gain something. You get stronger. You get healthier. It gets easier to do. He's saying that as we choose to live this way, as we choose to be truth in our, in our lives, as we choose to be like Christ, we grow up. And we continue to grow up. And the, and, the, and the goal of this growing up is to be like Christ. We grow up into ones who follow him. He becomes literally more and more the head of our world. Does this make sense? You know, you, 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 as, you, as, you, as you follow him, you, you gain a greater understanding of him. As you set aside yourself, remember what are, li- what are little children like? Backing up for a moment, what are little children like? Often very selfish, self-centered, caught up in the moment, uh, whether it really makes any sense or not, following whatever they, they feel like at the moment, uh, doing what, what seems to be the thing that, it, that they're driven by at the moment. Here he's saying, as we set aside those selfish drives, those things which are, are not mature, as we set those aside and purpose to follow Christ, we grow, we mature, we gain in our understanding of him and in our, in our ability to live as ones who are in Christ. Then Paul moves along through this passage and he adds another word picture for us, another one of these stories. And he, he goes into the world of anatomy next. Uh, he, he loaded this, these three verses with metaphors. And this next one where he talks about the whole body being fitted and held together. Think about that for a moment. The whole, he's talking about us. He's talking about the body of believers. He's talking about the community of Christ. He's talking about this group here. He's talking about everybody everywhere in every circumstance in this world who know Christ. And he's saying, we all were fitted together by the hand of the creator. God himself took the time, took the care, focused his attention on each one of you so that each one of you fits into his body in a way that is special, a way that is unique, in a way that is intended to have purpose. It's a part of his plan. And he fits us all together. And then we're held together through his spirit. As human beings, we're not so good at bonding together, generally speaking, right? I mean, you put groups of people together, and eventually they start struggling through things. Uh, they, they, they disagree, they, they don't figure it out, they are challenged, see things differently. It is the nature of who we are. It is, in fact, probably part of the way God wanted us to be, is to be diverse, to be different. Uh, he didn't make us as, in, as, as a singular, homogenous group of people. Somehow he made us as diverse as we are. And I think he didn't do that by accident. I think that is a part of what he intends for us to, to use and to understand, to grow through, to, to gain. And in the process, his entire body is made stronger. The, the, the witness that we have in our world is made greater through our diversity. One of you can talk to a person, to your next door neighbor, 
and perhaps your spouse is totally unable to connect with that same person. One of you is great at dealing with people who are like this, and one of you is great at dealing with people who are like that. This is how God made us, and this is how he has called us to be together. But that makes it challenging, doesn't it? So it's his Holy Spirit that holds us together. It's, it's at those times that we, we struggle with that, with that being together thing, that rubbing shoulders thing that we need to, to go back into these other ideas, to go back into Christ and start saying, this isn't an accident. I wasn't put here with this person because of some, some flaw in the plan. God's plan is without flaw. It is perfect. So if he fitted us together and he holds us together through his spirit, then it must be for a purpose. And that is that every single joint, every connection point, every one of us in all of the ways that we are put together have a, a part in the, in the total functioning of the body. He brings us together with that in mind, with that as his intent. So we are, we are put together in that manner. And in that process, each one of us needs to do our part. And we've talked about spiritual gifts over the last uh, couple of weeks. Each of us needs to use those gifts that God has given us. Each one of us needs to, be, to realize that we personally, me, you, each one of us has those gifts. And those gifts are vitally important to the strength of this organism. And they're vitally important to the strength of the totality of his kingdom. God doesn't stand afar and pull the strings in life here. He, he, he equips us. He, he trains us. He gifts us. And he sends us out to do, the, to do his work. He, he wants each one of us to recognize that we have a purpose in his plan. Each one of us is intended to do our part and, 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 and not do it under compulsion, not do it as a, as, a, as a thing which we are feeling a requirement to do, but rather to do our part because this is the joy of our relationship with Christ. This is to the glory of him, and this is because he the creator of this universe has reached out and touched you, touched each one of us with his hand and said, this is how I made you, my beloved child. And this is what I want you to do with the gifts that I have given to you. And, and so he calls us to, to, work to work through individually, but do it together. It, it is not a solo act that we are called to in the body of Christ. It is, in fact, a group effort. It is a collective effort. We are together in this. The moment I, I believe the moment we are out there completely, independently, on our own, feeling like there is no one else in this faith walk with me, then we are in a dangerous place. We're in a place where, where we are so easily vulnerable. We need, we need the strength of the to totality of the body, and we need to stand together. And, we, and, and that sometimes becomes a big challenge because sometimes it's very hard to stand with others. Sometimes we feel like we are the ones who are totally out there on the fringe. Sometimes we feel like the people around us just don't understand us. Sometimes we feel like the, the, the we get the picture and nobody else does. 
But all of those thoughts are ones that are dangerous in that they leave us standing by ourselves and they leave us in a position where this crafty, devious, never-resting adversary that we have can easily go after us and separate us off. You know, this is, this is the trick that uh, wolves use when they hunt. This, you know, they, they, they will attack a pack of animals and watch for the weakest, watch for those that get off by themselves, isolate that one, and attack it. This is very much what the enemy does in our world as well. So isolation is very dangerous. That's why this very clear picture of the fact that we function together, each piece, each part, each of us has a place and a purpose in that process of function. And a cool thing happens because as we do that, the thing that occurs is that it causes growth. And, and this is a really another interesting expression in here. The, the expression that uh, Paul uses for, for growth in here is a type of growth that is self-generated. This isn't where we pour miracle grow on the plant and it sprouts up. The, the miracle grow in God's body, if you will, the nutrients in God's body come from within. They come from the spirit feeding us. They come from each of us caring for and loving and, and interacting with each other. That's how we grow. We, it, it is a growth that is self-generated. And so when, when he's talking about the fact that the growth of the body for the building of, up of itself, the body builds itself up. That's an amazing thing. If you contemplate the fact that as we, as we choose to love and care for each other together, as we choose to seek to do God's work together, as we seek to listen to his voice together, to get on our knees in prayer together, as we do these things that he calls us to do together, we become stronger. And, and it isn't just a little bit. I think it's actually sort of exponential. The growth is enormous. The growth is, is, is impactful and powerful. And he isn't just calling those of us that are seated here in, in this, this building here at Cole to do this. He's calling us to be truly the community of believers, the body of Christ. That means with your, your believing neighbor. That means with the church down the street. That means with people halfway around the world. He calls us to learn to understand them, to seek to communicate with them, to be together in this walk through this life and grow together. It's a, it's a powerful thing when it happens. Um, some years, some, some years, some months ago, sorry, uh, last April, uh, I uh, wound up doing uh, a total knee replacement. And uh, it's an interesting thing. The process of getting to that place in life was an interesting one. Uh, my orthopedic surgeon made a comment to me when he was, when he was uh, talking to me about what was going on in my body, what, why, the, why this, this knee wasn't functioning anymore, basically, at least not like it was supposed to, uh, said that you are too tough for your own good. Literally, quote, his words. What he meant was that over a lot of years, doing a lot of activities and playing a lot of sports, I had done various 
injuries to my knee, mostly meniscus tears, cartilage tears. And if I had taken the time over those years to undergo the unpleasant experience of having those cartilage tears cleaned up through arthroscopic surgery and undergone the physical therapy and the rehab and the strengthening that would have followed and would have helped my knee stay stronger and healthier, I would probably not have been facing a knee replacement at that point in time. But I chose to not do any of those things. So instead, I wonder when the major procedure of having it replaced and the significant pain and discomfort that comes after that and the, the lengthy and, and hard work process of, of physical therapy and rehabilitation that comes after that. How does this fit together with what Paul is talking to us about? I think what he is saying to us is that we, we, you know, we hurt things. We have sore places in our body. We have hot spots. We tear things. We fray things in the way we relate with each other. It happens almost every day. You rub somebody the wrong way, somebody bumps into you, somebody says something that is disturbing. Uh, and if we don't do anything with that and about that, what happens? It gets worse. It tears. The, phrase, the small phrase and the small bruises and the small hot spots become extremely sore. And you wear out, like in my knee, you wear out the cartilage. Eventually you grind it all away. Because that's what happened with those frayed edges between the bones of the knee. They just ground away until it was gone. Then there was nothing to do to put it back together except undergo major surgery. So I think what, what, I, what I see Paul calling us to do is not let it get there. Deal with the pains, deal with the hurts, deal with the, the frayed edges that we have in our relationships regularly, routinely, as a matter of how we live out being truth. He calls us to be truth. That's part of the way we be truth, is we care for each other enough to say, this hurts, I'm in pain, I don't like that, that's challenging. Whatever the words are, these are your words, not my words. I think that's the challenge that I want us to take out of here, is that, that we will work at not letting these frayed edges become the things which break down the joint, which break down the body that we will determine to stick with it, to stay the course, to allow his spirit to do its healing work in us, his restorative work in us. Christ is the restorer. He wants us to be in relationship with each other. He wants his body to be strong. So let's, let's, let's commit to taking care of these things, to doing the hard work, and to doing the therapy that comes afterward because even when we've done the initial work, oftentimes we still have to come back and touch up. We have to keep working at it. It doesn't just fix itself. So let's, let's, let's be a body that really functions as a healthy body in Christ together for the glory of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for the way that it is expressed to us and for us, uh, for those who seek to follow you, Lord, give them strength, give them encouragement. 
Help them to see you in in the path that they're following. Lord Jesus, we just uh, come before you as humble people who are ill-fitted and ill-equipped, but are absolutely fulfilled with you and that you are all-sufficient for everything that we need and you do it all for your glory through us. Jesus, thank you for this morning and this time together. In your name we pray. Amen.